Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big, the handsome one that stands right in the middle. That's me. And you're listening to Music Mania Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania Podcaster. You are the best. You got the best. We roll tonight to the guitar fight. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast. Brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. Welcome, one and all, to another edition of the Music Mania Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Schweitzer. Thank you so much for joining me yet again. We have kept the interviews rolling all summer long. I know it has been a summer devoid of concerts which has been so difficult on me and all of my rock and roll blood brothers out there. I know you guys are at least trying to squeeze some adventure out of your summer, going on some trips, having fun outside, going to the beach, going to the lake, enjoying your friends. You know what? That's what it's all about. And we're going to get back to concert sooner, hopefully than later. And on this show, we're going to have a tremendous guest. It is Steve Brown. Yes. Trickster. Danger, danger. Sometimes Def Leppard, sometimes Eric Martin. Yes. Steve Brown has done it all. Guitarist extraordinaire. We're going to be talking to him about the new Tokyo Motor Fist album. I am such a fan of this band. Their first album, self-titled, came out back in 2017 and really raised the eyebrows of a lot of people in the rock universe because of how melodic it is, because of it really brings back that, you know, that danger, danger, feel those big choruses from the 80s. Tokyo Motor Fist has done it, and they've done it again with the release of their latest album, Lions. It is out now. Get it on anywhere music is streamed, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, um, Amazon Music, you can get it. I highly suggest it. TheRockPit.net actually called this the rock album of the decade, and I can't say that I disagree. Imagine the baby of Trickster, Danger Danger, and Def Leppard. This record has 11 standout tracks, or as Spinal Tap might say, this one goes up to 11. I tell you what, I am such a fan of Tokyo Motor Fist and Steve Brown, who does it all. I mean, he plays with our good friend Eric Martin from Mr. Big. Uh, He plays with Danger Danger and his band Trickster. He owns the rights. He owns the name of Trickster. And so he's going to give us all the updates on what's going on, kind of how the album's been received so far. It's been out for three weeks. So definitely go check it out. Check them out um, on Facebook um, at TMF Band, Tokyo Motor Fist. Be sure to search them on all social media outlets. It's going to be a true pleasure. And I'll tell you what, I'm doing it. I'm actually on the road traveling this week in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, doing some interviews for an upcoming SEC football documentary that I've been working on for the last two years. Kind of all coming full circles. We're getting it recorded now and uh, doing some interviews for that. I actually just got done meeting with uh, the mayor of Knox County, which is former WWE superstar Kane. Glenn Jacobs is the mayor of Knox County. We just did an interview with him. It was awesome meeting him. So we're going to keep the interviews coming here, of course, on the Music Media Podcast as we do all year long. We can't thank you guys enough for hitting that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. Any way you choose to take in the show, we always appreciate it. Go to the website, musicmaniapodcast.com for all the updates. There used to be show reviews there. Hopefully there will be again sometime in the next year. Definitely hoping to get back to that, guys. So without further ado, we've got to take you to this week's interview. It is with guitarist Steve Brown. 
Well, you guys already know that I'm pretty much listening to podcasts or music constantly, which means I have to have a good pair of earbuds. So whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to. Not what your roommate, neighbor, significant other, or children are listening to. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And that they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. The newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best one yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice, noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts. They have been an absolute game-changer for me, especially in the gym. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. The company was co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, J.R. Smith, Mike Tyson, and Rich the Kid are obsessed with Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order now at buyraycon.com slash musicmania. That's buyraycon.com slash musicmania for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Again, that's buyraycon.com slash musicmania. How you been? Oh, doing great, man. What's what's been how's the summer been? It's kind of been been a busy one for you. Uh, we're gonna get into Tokyo Motor Fist, the new album Lions, but man, what what else has been up? You've been doing anything anything fun? Is that even allowed in twenty twenty? Uh, well, yeah, that's a loaded question. Yeah, have I been doing <laughs> fun? Well, mostly just spending a lot of time with my family. Going, we have a beach house down at the Jersey Shore, so just been doing that. And uh, I've been actually way busy in the studio, which has been really really cool i've been getting a lot of busy work done uh you know transferring old trickster stuff and just you know doing doing things that i normally don't have the time to do so staying productive most importantly well that is very important and you know we're just a few weeks out now from the release of uh the second tokyo motor fist album it's called lions I've seen one website call it the album of the decade and you know what it is uh, absolutely tremendous a great follow-up first of all just kind of what how, how did you guys released your debut back in 2017, which was tremendous. And I think a lot of people, it was an eye opener for a lot of people and what a great uh, group of characters you guys have there. Did, was there ever a doubt about doing a second one? Kind of how did it come about and how long was kind of the process to get this thing out? Well, yeah, certainly, man, there was never a doubt that we were going to, you know, that, that we were going to do a second record. It was always in the plan. You know, I think we signed like a three album deal with Frontiers. We got to we got to give thanks to Frontiers Records for giving us the opportunity to make these records. And, uh, you know, look, when when we put out the debut record, Tokyo Motor Fist, the worldwide response was unbelievable. And it just assured us as a band that we were doing the right thing and that we kind of we hit the bullseye with the first record. And so um, January 2019, January of last year, I started writing songs. The first thing I wrote was Youngblood. The second song I wrote was Decadence on 10th Street. And when I do, I don't really do demos the way I produce records. I, I basically make finished masters. In essence, what I make when I make records, whether it's with Trickster or Tokyo Motor Fist or some other projects, in essence, what I do is like a Steve Brown solo record. So I play everything, I sing everything, 
And uh, what you hear on the Tokyo Motor Fist record is pretty much just imagine my voice singing the songs, you know. And then I send it out to the guys. And when I sent those first two songs out, Ted basically, he was calling me and texting me. He said, dude, these are the two best songs, especially Youngblood. He's like, Youngblood is the best song I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I know, I know we're off to a good start here. And uh, we were off to the races, man. And it was just the songs just came to me. And uh, my good friend Dennis DeYoung told me this once. He said, Steve, you know, when you make records and you have success in this business, every once in a while you go above and beyond what is your normal. And that's what we did on this record. You know, personally for myself as a songwriter, producer, engineer, singer, guitar player, my level went up a couple steps on this one, as did each of the members of the band. You know, Chuck, Ted, and Greg all gave me tremendous performances. And we made, you know, again, like the melodic rock record of 2020, in my opinion. And we just couldn't be more proud of this record than we are. Rock and roll is starved for this style of music. And it harkens back to a, you know, a simpler time, maybe for people, people love the big hooks, the big guitar sound, and it's all here. And, uh, I just can't applaud what you guys have done enough. Of course, you can check out the video for young blood, which uh, was the first video you guys did. And, uh, the album of course available on, on all streaming platforms and, uh, all, all those that are out there, but talk about the chemistry between you guys, because obviously I, I know that you've known Ted for a lot of years for one, did you ever think, uh, you know, Ted being an, a, a fellow a Jersey guy, that you would not only one day be in one band with Ted, but but two? And how lucky are you in that regard? <laughs> oh, it's great. You know, <laughs> that's the cool thing about Tokyo Motor Fist is that we truly are a real band, considering the fact we've all known each other for pretty much over 30 years. Uh, you know, I've known Ted probably since I was 14 years old. He grew up in northern New Jersey, a couple towns away from me, and um, you know, as well as Chuck Berge, you know, Chuck, I knew when he was in rainbow hanging out at Sam Ash music in Paramus, when I was a little kid, Joel and Turner and Chuck used to come in there and I used to like ask them a million questions and they were always so great to me. And, uh, you know, and Greg Smith as well. So, uh, it is very cool. And so getting back to with Ted, yeah, it's just, it's incredible to be able to play in Danger Danger because, you know, Bruno and Steve from Danger Danger are like brothers to me. And we're, we're all, it's like a very, how do we say, you know, incestuous relationship that we all, you know, we play in bands together. We've been friends for so long. So it just makes absolute sense. And the personal aspect, we know each, each other's ins and outs. So it really makes life a lot easy because as we know, being in a band when you're 50 years old or even older is not an easy thing. It's like having three extra wives or four extra wives. <laughs> it's a hard thing to balance. And uh, we do it well. We know we know how to stay each, out of each other's way. And we know most of all how to coexist in a band environment. We do that very, very well. Well, Greg is a good friend of ours, and I tell you, he might be the only guy in rock and roll that's in more bands than you. I mean, he, from, ah. from Ted Nugent to uh, Tommy James and the Shondells, which, by the way, I saw them about a year ago. Just phenomenal. That band is tremendous, and Tommy James, uh, all-time hero of mine. So, Greg, good friend of ours. You guys have done a great job. And I don't know if you realize or not, but... This style of music that, you know, harkens us back so much to, to the 80s and, and just this big sound that people revere so much, but it has influenced not only a generation of people in this country, but overseas. 
there's bands in Europe, specifically Sweden, that cite Trickster and Danger Danger as being, you know, heavily influenced. And you see bands like Heat and, uh, you know, Crazy Licks coming out now that are in that vein. So you guys are influencing guys that are, you know, from over the pond, man. That's pretty cool. It is. I mean, that, and I love both of those bands. We were just on the Monsters of Rock cruise in February, you know, our last two gigs that we got in before the pandemic. And Heat was on there, and there was a huge buzz on those guys, and I got to watch them. I think they're phenomenal, you know, along with Crazy Licks and all the other bands that, you know, of course, man, they got... One thing I will say is all those bands from Sweden and all the younger bands following the melodic rock tradition, they got really good taste in rock bands, so that's very important. <laughs> We, I was talking with Eric Martin, uh, of course, who you've been playing with for a few years now, you and PJ. Oh, yeah. He was talking about, um, he said, you got to ask Steve about uh, his Van Halen story. So I'm going into this cold, but you've got a Van Halen story, apparently, that's got to be unveiled here. Oh, I got a lot of Van Halen stories. I mean, which one do you want to go to? You know, um, I think the one he's talking about is the one that recently surfaced with me jumping up on stage with Van Halen in 1988 at the Mad Madison Square Garden in New York City. Um, the story goes, um, was I was there with the band with Trickster. Our manager, our one manager was a ticket scalper back in the day. So he got us front row seats. Long story short, <laughs> it was just a perfect opportunity. I had my foot pretty much on the stage. I decided, what the hell, man? You know, as David Lee Ross said, you might as well jump. So I took the, you know, <laughs> took the cue, jumped up on stage at the end of the show when they were finishing rock and roll. And I ran right up to Eddie and I said, dude, let me play your guitar. And he held up his hands. He gave me this look. He was cool as hell. And he <laughs> let me play the guitar, which you can see in the video. That's all over, you know, all over the web now. And, um, Sammy and Mike came over and Sammy, you know, well, he's watching me play and I could tell he could, you know, you could hear what I was playing. I was playing one of Eddie's signature licks. And he said, he's like, man, that's a bad mofo right there. And, uh, that was that was footage that I've been waiting to see for probably 32 years, I think it is. And I was on another radio show, uh, my good friend Izzy Presley, a couple weeks ago. And uh, Joe Lester from the band The Atomic Punks was like, dude, you know, we were somebody had brought that story up. And he was like, dude, I found the footage on YouTube. Here it is. And we all that was, and that was the first time I've ever seen the video footage of that because I didn't know it existed before that. So we're just very, very happy that it's out there. But dude. I got a lot of great stories. Luckily, dude, listen, man, back in the day, I got to meet Eddie Van Halen at the height of my success with Trickster. And we've hit off a friendship that's lasted 29 years now. And he's one of my biggest supporters. I'm, I've been the longest standing endorser of EDH gear at since 1992 and you know so you know it's one of those cool things you know that saying be careful when you meet your idols you know because you might be disappointed ed has been nothing but the coolest guy in the world to me and a dear friend and i love him and i hope he's uh, i hope he's doing well and you know but there are a million stories eric's got a better van halen story because eric was actually supposed to audition for van halen but he never he never went to the audition so he, I think he downplays that. He downplays that. He like always likes to he likes to cast light onto to other people and what they've done. He always kind of downplays anything he's ever done. He's like, oh, I 
I don't really, I'm just a singer. I don't know. But like it's, and then you dig into it and you're like, oh, one of the great singers in rock. I, Eric is so tremendous. I think criminally underrated. You've been playing with him for a few, you and PJ both. So like, what, what's it like out there on the road with him? Cause he's just a rascal of a guy, a delight to talk to. We've talked oh, for an hour Eric one time about kiss lip syncing for an hour. I mean, he's great. I, I just love him. Yeah, Eric is, he again, Eric's been a dear friend. We met Eric on the first Trickster tour when we were on tour with Warrant and Firehouse. Um, we were huge Mr. Big fans and especially just obsessed with the Lean Into It album. When we were on tour in 91, we would listen to that record morning, afternoon, and night. It was on nonstop in our tour bus. And then finally, just some people aligned and we were able to invite Eric to our show when we played San Jose. And again, we hit off a friendship that's lasted all these years. And a couple of years ago, he called us up out of the blue, basically, and said, hey, man, I need a band to go to Japan with me. Would you guys be into it? And we did it. We did four shows as the USA Pop Brigade in uh, Japan. And then we've been going ever since. And we kind of do now. We do a, you know, kind of a greatest hits show where we're doing the uh, Mr. Big and Trickster greatest hits. I sing the uh, Trickster hits. And we have nothing but a good time, man. We are uh, PJ and I, and we have Joey Casada from the band ZO2s on drums. And, you know, we were supposed to have a bunch of gigs in 2020 this year, but hopefully next year we'll be able to carry on where we left off. But we have so much fun together. And anybody that's seen the Eric Martin Trickster show will definitely attest to that. We, we certainly bring a great rock and roll show and certainly a lot of fun for everybody. Well, absolutely. And uh, you've talked a lot about how, um, you know, live performances are, are, are so important for you and you have your hand in kind of so many different areas. Obviously, 2020 is just kind of a wash when it comes to that. You've talked about Tokyo, Tokyo Motor Fist being a real band and a true force. What, what's kind of the plan for you guys? I know everything's amiss, so you can't really make a plan. So I guess this is sort of a, a hypothetical at this point, which is unfortunate. But uh, going out and playing live with Tokyo Motor Fest, I know you guys did some dates with Danger Danger just last year. But what what's kind of the future for you guys as far as live performances? Well, we're just waiting to get the word about what we can do. Um, and I don't foresee anything. You know, look, I, I don't my personal and this is just me personally because I don't speak for anybody else. But as the band leader of Tokyo Motor Fist, we are not doing any sort of rogue type shows. We are not mm -hmm. doing anything until the world and America, most importantly, is open for business, if you know what I mean. We're not going and uh, disobeying any laws. And I, it's just not worth it for us. I want to get out there. I'm not really into playing at a, at a club or a theater when there's only a third of the people allowed to be there. I, I pretty much would rather wait until uh, things are sort of back to normal. I don't know if that's ever going to be the case, but... You know, right now, honestly, brother, all I can tell you is I'm writing new music. I've already started writing songs for the third Tokyo Motor Fist record, uh, which will probably come out in, I'm going to say, 2022, maybe wow. 2023. So, you know, I'm always working. I have a couple other things that I'm, I'm uh, a couple other new projects that I'm doing. And I've been really focused on preserving the legacy. I've been transferring all the old trickster analog tapes and videos and everything to digital and, and getting, getting everything ready because we are now celebrating the 30th anniversary of the debut trickster album, which is really, really exciting. But sadly, you know, we were looking forward to doing like a 30th anniversary deluxe edition, but 
you know, it's hard. People at Universal Music are not really uh, answering any calls right now, so I can't get licenses. But in the future, there's going to be a ton of new trickster things. And, you know, though the band is kind of inactive at the moment um, with some personal uh, conflicts that involve, you know, other members of trickster um, that, you know, me being the leader and the, you know, I own the name and whatnot. So I'm just controlling, taking care of, you know, keeping releases coming and all i can tell the trickster fans is within the next 10 years in the next 10 years you're going to see a whole bunch of things including some unreleased music so it's going to be very exciting oh that's incredible and i i'm a huge trickster fan and i the last time i saw you guys you'll probably remember this gig because it was almost the last gig i think a lot of us ever saw it was at rocklahoma 08 in the middle of a tornado. Do you, do you, you remember that one? I, I texted oh, my buddy okay. and I said, this is my last, I think this is my last show. Trickster is about to be the last band I ever see live. I text my yeah, buddy. You know, that's <laughs> funny that you said that. Cause that was the same thing. Eddie trunk said to me as we were, <laughs> as we were stuck in, uh, in the stage and he said, Oh my God, my legacy is going to be, I died with trickster. I died on stage with trickster. Oh, that's know? awesome. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, that was, that was certainly, uh, that was, a uh, uh, one, one of the, most uh interesting experiences i ever had you know considering here we are we come back after 17 years and not playing we're have we're in the middle of a great show and then all of a sudden this crazy <laughs> hurricane blows through it was out of this world to say oh, welcome to the midwest man i live in missouri so we don't have it quite as bad but man uh the weather here is uh, always uh, always in doubt i'll tell you uh, Steve, we, we've wanted to have you on so long, but I was thinking maybe the, one of the reasons why we haven't is it's just too hard to list all of your, you know, all of your credentials uh, in in like an article or on a podcast. It's just too hard to do that. So maybe that's why we put it off so long. No, this it's because I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about how you have become sort of this designated hitter of rock and roll. You with whether it be Dennis DeYoung hopping on with Def Leppard. I mean, Def Leppard and Motley scheduled to do this huge tour this year, and um, you've said before that you were going to be a part of it in some way. Could what? what what was up with that? What was your connection going to be to, to the tour this time? Well, and that was that was nothing. There's nothing official there. Look, the the leopard guys, as history is known, I've been in the bullpen for eight years with those guys. So anything, as Phil Collin always says, anything can happen with sixty year old men. And as it's shown over the last eight years, seven years that I've been, you know, filling in since Vivian was diagnosed with cancer, I've been in more often than I'm not. You know what I mean? In yeah. some way, shape, or form. Um, that, that whole, I think it became a blabbermouth, uh, headline. It wasn't anything official, but it's never, it never really is. I mean, I'm just always there for them. They're like family to me. So should they ever need me? I'm there. Maybe I was going to be involved selling Def Leppard hot dogs in the stands. You know what I mean? As on the stadium tour. But again, it's one of those things to where you got to watch, you got to watch what you say sometimes, but <laughs> you know, look, it's like anything with Dennis. De Young, the same thing. I'm always there to help out. And for any other band out there, and, and there are a few other bands, big bands that have called me that needed me in emergency situations and that will remain nameless because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or, you know, or get anybody in trouble. But, you know, that's just the way it is. And it's been Wow, what an experience and, you know, kind of just like what you said, I've been like the designated hitter for all these incredible legendary acts and get to do play stadiums and uh, play these incredible catalogs and music, you know, 
Dennis DeYoung was one that was really unique because I didn't grow up the biggest Sticks fan. I love Sticks, but I wasn't like, I don't think I ever owned any of their albums till probably mm. the 90s. You know mm. what I mean? So uh, it wasn't until 2015 when Dennis called me to fill in for um, August Zadra, his great guitar player, that I had to learn the catalog. And I learned the brilliance and the majesty of Dennis DeYoung and what a talent he was. And since that time, I've become a huge Styx fan. And then, you know, learning these catalogs of Def Leppard, Styx, Danger, Danger. I did Rock of Ages on Broadway. You know, I play in this great 80s band, Rubik's Cube. Learning all these different styles of songs, you know, and it's very different because, you know, when you play all these different styles of music, it does rub off in, in great ways in the sense of Tokyo Motor Fist. If you listen to the new Tokyo Motor Fist, the title track Lions, which Dennis DeYoung plays the keyboard solo on, you can definitely hear uh, a Sticks Dennis DeYoung type influence on that song. And, you know, let alone listen to a song like Monster and Me, you hear the Def Leppard Mutt Lang influence throughout the whole record because they've been such a part of my life for, you know, the greatest thing about the Def Leppard thing is it's always wonderful to get the call to fill in for one of your favorite bands. So that's wow. so easy for me. And people ask me all the time, Steve, what was it like filling in for you filled in for Vivian and then you filled in for Phil Collin. No one's ever done that before. And that's all cool. But I just say, listen, man, their music has been a part of my life since 1980, since on through the night. So I know everything. Like Joe Elliott said, oh, Steve knows parts of the songs that we don't even know. He knows <laughs> the songs better than we. I think Vivian said that once. Oh, you know the songs better than we do, which is true. But, you know, it's an honor. And, and again, I just love all these different opportunities because... You know, it, it definitely at 50 years old, I still love the challenge and I'm still that little kid that loves to play my guitar. I love to sing and I love to learn new stuff. So it's 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 always I'm always up for the challenge. Well, indeed you are. It's uh, it's definitely been a pleasure having you on, Steve. And before we let you go, we got to run you through our final four drum roll, final four, uh, four quick questions, fun ones. And uh, you just give us whatever comes to mind. You got it, brother. All right. So what show or shows have you uh, been binge-watching over the last few months on Netflix? Oh, well, you know, first and foremost, I, at the recommendation of my sometimes boss, Joe Elliott, the throat <laughs> of Def Leppard, he, he highly recommended Peaky Blinders, which is kind of a, the way I describe it for all the people who haven't seen it. It's a British version of The Sopranos. So, I, you know, he's been telling me to watch that for years. And I finally binged. That was my first ever complete binge watch, season one through season eight. I watched eight seasons of it, and it was awesome. Of course, we all know we all. I, I think everybody in the world watched The Tiger King. I watched <laughs> that. I thought that was tremendous, you know. And uh, but yeah, Peaky Blinders. That was that's that's a must watch for anybody out there. Okay, I got that one on my list. You, if you and Joe Elliott say it's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm adding it. I've definitely heard of it. Um, okay, I know this. Uh, the, making an album is like having a child. You're kind of, you know, it's been released for a couple weeks now, so you've had a little time to marinate here. What is your current favorite song from Lions, and why is it Sedona? <laughs> That's mine, anyway. <laughs> oh, I love it, dude. Yeah, 
Well, you know, here, here's, here's reason number one that I love Sedona. First and foremost, that we had the great Mark Rivera from the Billy Joel band and Ringo Starr play the sax solo on it. So that was cool. You know, Chuck Berge is Billy Joel's drummer, so he's band bass with Mark Rivera. Love that. Different, totally different sound. You don't, you're not hearing many sax solos on any of these melodic rock records. I don't think, I don't think Heat or Crazy Licks has any <laughs> sax solos in their stuff. So that sets it apart. It's a different level. You know what I mean? But Sedona, the really cool thing about it, which a lot of people don't know, is that riff, that guitar riff, the Van Halen, Toto, it's kind of, to me, it's a definitely a, a salute to Steve Lukather and to Eddie Van Halen. It's got that Toto shuffle thing. But the guitar riff, I have had that guitar riff for 30 years. I wrote that after we finished the first Trickster record, and I'd been playing it in soundcheck off and on with PJ for... 30 years and finally when he heard the finished record he goes dude you finally did something with that fucking riff that you've been <laughs> playing for 30 years so how cool is that dude i love it i love that song um okay number three moving along here what is uh, the last concert that you attended before the pandemic as a fan uh it was kissing david lee roth at the allentown ppl center um, and it was really cool because I was there backstage with the guys and, you know, Gene and Paul and Eric and Tommy are really good friends. And I got to see Dave Roth and it was just incredible. But wow, how, how crazy is it to think that in, you know, a couple weeks after that, the world completely changed. Well, and, yeah. But, you know, look, if it was the last concert I ever saw in my life, it was pretty amazing. So seeing Kiss and David Lee Roth is always uh, an exciting, exciting time. Well, I've got to take exception to this because you saw the show a couple weeks before I was, the, this is going to blow your mind. I was on my way March the 12th to the Tulsa show when it got canceled and the world came to a close right on, uh, as I was on my way to kiss and David Lee Roth in Tulsa. So you got to catch the show. I didn't, I've luckily seen the, seen the show, uh, the, uh, the end of the road tour a couple times. So not, I mean, I can't complain too much. Saw it in St. Louis and in Kansas City, so uh, yeah. I can I can I can live on. Uh, yeah, it was something else, man. But but, yeah, but you we, got to see El Roth. Yeah, the I mean, new it name. Was, <laughs> I'm in Dave, baby. And what's really cool is my good buddy Jerry was with me, and he's the one who I don't know if you checked out my Instagram, Steve Brown Rocks. But mm -hmm. after that show, I posted that that awesome picture that my buddy Jerry took of David Lee Roth and Paul Stanley together, which is the only picture that is that good and my buddy snapped it on his iphone i got a couple other really cool pictures of like gene and roth talking and it was like just one of these one once in a lifetime opportunities where the you know dave was coming off stage and kiss was like coming on and it just met up but yeah we had a we had a blast and it's always it's always great to see my friends you know what oh, i mean oh man dude i'm seeing the pictures right now at steve brown rocks your picture with with kiss was a little better than mine like i was all like off-centered and like jeans trying to like put his hand on my shoulder and i'm all to the left you're like perfectly yeah. so you look like the other member of the band here you just need the platform shoes you're in the band yeah, well, you know, you never know. I might be, I might be the replacement for Paul Stanley in ten years. You never, you never know how that goes. Hey, right? get that, get that star stencil down, man. Let's do it. Um, last question: first album that you remember buying with your own money? First album I remember buying with my own money. I or, think or that you stole. I guess we could go that route if we need I, to. It would be at it would be at two uh, two guys. 
department store in Paramus, New Jersey, or Corvettes, one of those 70s. But I'm going to go on record. I think the first album that I bought with my own money was the Gene Simmons solo record, 1978. But I bought it. I don't think I bought it right in 1978. I think I bought it like in 79 when it was when it when it was price reduced to two ninety nine. And I think I just had enough money in my pocket to buy it. And uh, I still have it to this day. Awesome. I love that solo album. When You Wish Upon a Star, underrated. I love that. Oh, dude, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, lo- I love those solo records. Oh, absolutely. Steve, I tell you what, cannot thank you enough for taking time out with us today. We'll have to do it again soon, man. Uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Can't wait to see things get back and hopefully get Tokyo Motor Fest out on the road at some point because you guys, it really deserves it. These songs deserve it. And you guys have done something truly amazing here. Thank you so much for the time, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. And everybody out there, stay safe. I love you and keep rocking and stay positive. Wow, Steve is such a character, so positive and upbeat. I love hearing from him. Love the new album, uh, Tokyo Motor Fist. It is Lions. Go check it out um, on uh, iTunes, on Spotify, on Amazon Music. Go check them out on their social media, at TMF Band on Facebook. And you can go check out everything that's going on in um, Steve's world. Uh, his website is stevebrownrocks.com, and you can follow him on Instagram at stevebrownrocks. So, indeed, he does. I mean, spot duty with Def Leppard. He's filled in for Phil Collin and Vivian Campbell, and uh, the band didn't miss a beat. When you have a machine that is Def Leppard, a touring entity that produces that many hits and that is dependent upon that live sound as much as Def Leppard is, Steve Brown to be able to just step in there and and nothing misses a beat is truly incredible and we really hope to hear more from steve in the future as he's got stuff going on with uh, trickster and danger danger and eric martin all good friends of ours and steve we are now proud to claim as a friend as well for the first time having him on so tremendous to get uh, caught up with him we hope you guys have enjoyed what we're doing again the website is musicmaniapodcast.com and you want to hit that subscribe button apple Podcasts, google play stitcher or spotify leave us a star rating it's what helps make us do what we do here and keep those interviews coming for you guys and we're going to continue to do it on into the month of august here as we are reaching the uh, sort of zenith of the summer here they always say august is the sunday of summer and we're going to do it right we're going to see this thing out to the fullest here on the music media podcast thank you guys for joining us we will be back next week with a brand new show